Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. Today we're going to be talking about the final track from Dirty Mind, which is called Party Up. As with the rest of the album, it was recorded between May and June 1980 at somewhere in Uptown, which of course we all know is actually the uh, Wyzetta home studio in Wyzetta, Minnesota. Uh, if you want to have some fun, uh, search for Wyzetta, Minnesota on um, Google Maps and see if you can find uh, what used to be Prince's house. Uh, I believe it's now knocked down. It's just a dirt road. <laughs> the album was released on the 8th of October 1980. It's just Prince by himself. You know, a lot of guitar, a lot of drums. Morris Day was the one who came up with the main groove that kind of is the basis of the song. Uh, for his troubles, Prince offered him either $10,000 or he could have a contract to be in a band. And uh, that is how the time was formed, huh. uh, basically. <laughs> because Morris Day said no to the money. But he said yes to Prince, essentially putting him in a band. Uh, and of course, the following year, that band started supporting Prince on tour. They ended up in Purple Rain. So all comes from this song. All comes from Morris Day writing something that Prince wanted to have, basically. The song is four minutes and 24. Although there was a three minute and four edit, which was the B-side of the the title track when that was issued as a single. Uh, and joining me today is Victor Azevedo. Hello, Victor. Oh, hi, Darren. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that Morris Day thing because it, I think that's quite interesting that basically, and this is something that's been confirmed by Morris Day, there was a documentary about the time who cannot use that name legally anymore, so they call themselves the Original Seven, which is ironic because one of them left after they reformed and so there's only six of them now. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a... There's an interesting documentary which you can find on YouTube about them, and Morris Day talks about how you know he'd been, he'd known Prince, um, kind of just from the the kind of music scene um, in in Minneapolis, and you know he'd seen him in First Avenue. You know um, Prince had started touring, um, you know the the year before uh, with his with his band, you know which had Des Dickerson and Wendy, but not Lisa. So obviously Morris Day had seen Prince. You know he he'd been a, a fan of Prince and he'd started talking with Prince. And Prince had started having people in the studio while he was writing. And Morris Day had kind of played this groove for him. Uh, you know, which everyone recognises because it's the it's the kind of the the opening of the song, that kind of guitar, that driven guitar riff that kind of drives the rest of the song. And in fact, you know, it was such a that kind of riff is and the kind of the the, the groove of the song is so popular that um, this actually charted in number five on the Billboard um, Disco Top 100. The only way to chart in the Disco Top 100 at the time was by club DJs playing your songs and then submitting that information back. It wasn't based on sales in any way. Um, so this was obviously a big hit in the clubs. And I think that kind of opening groove, I think, is the reason why it was so popular. Um, because it is really catchy. Oh, it is. It's it's such, And it's a great way to end the album, too, because it's such a party jam. Yeah. And it's such a happy... Compared to, like, the it's, we already spoke about it, like the end of start, side A, which is this kind of, you know, God Broken Heart again, which is kind of this really weird... 50s kind of song and then all of a sudden the end of the album is this party jam essentially and it's a yeah I think when you look at the lyrics it's actually a party jam about you know trying to stop war essentially it's an, it's an yeah, war this, party yeah. jam <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean i think obviously you know uh, morris day kind of made the right move there because you know he could have had ten thousand dollars but he basically decided to kind of become part of prince's inner circle really mm. um and that is something that kind of lasted um, well, I mean, at least a decade, because all the way through to Graffiti Bridge, you know. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the time fell out with Prince a few times in between then. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but, but still, yeah, you know, people. deciding to associate yourself with Prince, I, I guess, was a really good move in 1980 in, in Minnesota. 
Well, yeah, because basically he was, you know, he had that, like they still had that sound beforehand, but when he, when Prince started getting more popular, all these other little bands coming out of Minneapolis who had that sound started getting to, you know, prominent as well. Considering really the time wasn't really Morris Day's band, really, was it? Because essentially, you know, no. Prince played everything and then all of a sudden, you know, Morris would sing some stuff and that was pretty much it. <laughs> that was pretty much how they did it. <laughs> yeah. I think actually this is an interesting time to kind of mention the kind of formation of the time because it was between this album and Controversy that they they did kind of form. You had two bands called, I think one was called Flight Time, which is such a weird, yeah. kind of, but with, with a Y in there and a, and a Y in time as well. Oh, okay. They got together with um, another band um, whose name I cannot remember. But basically you had like Morris Day and Jesse Johnson. and mm. But then on the other side you had... Uh, Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam and and Jellybean Johnson and the kind of the six of them came together uh, and then there were a couple of like kind of keyboardists around the area that kind of would would play when they were on tour and Jerome Benton obviously then joined as well just before yeah. they um they started Purple Rain but yeah. yeah so it's interesting that this song is the one that kind of uh, allows the time to form eventually um out of out of all the kind of different um out of all the different kind of disparate bands that were around at the time well the other thing is the other thing is too the actual the actual people in the time are actually decent musicians. They were great musicians, in fact. Like you only got to look at yeah, you know when after after Purple Rain they you know uh, Jimmy Jam had left and you know basically produced that Janet Jackson album Control, and they were just yeah. basically these massive massive producers because they they that that whole band was filled with people who were amazing and it was just kind of like a side project <laughs> essentially. And of course, it's worth mentioning as well that uh, Alexander O'Neill was also in flight time i think for a brief period of time but he left before it turned into the time and i think somewhere in my very somewhere deep 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 in my record collection i do have a copy of that solo album he did too it looks very very handsome yeah. on the front cover as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like the song itself has some kind of like you say some lyrics that are about <laughs> it's really weird yeah. because prince has has this kind of language that he starts developing where he'll say stuff is a drag which yeah. is not Prince itself, but it's it's kind of almost like a fifties greaser type thing, like something being a drag. And um, you know, he's he's talking about how he just wants to jam, and that the the army bag is such a double drag. <laughs> yeah, like, like double drag. What's like? It's yeah. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like sounds like he's a crooner or something. It just makes no sense. I oh, know maybe that's how they spoke in Minneapolis. Who knows? Back in the early eighties, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. And, and then of course, there's a, you know, Prince very rarely gets political, but yeah, there is this thing of you know, how are you going to make me kill somebody I don't even know? Mm. Uh, they got the draft. I just laugh, Prince. Says. Yes. Um, you know, and, and you know, he says, "I I don't want to die. I just want to have a bloody good time," which is yes. such a, a kind of interesting expression. Um, and you know, is it fair to kill the youth? Like, does again, there's like a you know, it's it starts out as this kind of interesting kind of anti-war, anti kind of military song, and then it just turns into party up, got to party up over and over and over and over and over again for the rest yeah, of the song. Then pretty much, and there's um, like a and there's like a lyric, and I'm looking at one now because it's always really funny when you look at this. It's like we get ice cream, no cake, all lies, no troop. Is it fair to kill the youth? It's like. No ice yeah. cream, no cake, and it's like really in a <laughs> yeah. song about this. Oh, well, kind of works, but yeah, it's just yeah. Well, I think he's just looking for the rhyme there for the half baked mistakes, <laughs> which is kind of, 
It's, yeah, so um, it's kind of, it's. I mean, you know, uh, again, it kind of Prince being so young, these are kind of very naive lyrics, you know. He's not considering the larger geopolitical considerations of war. Um, but yeah, you know, and obviously as we get to the, kind of the end of the song and the end of the album, basically, he's mm. talking about how you're going to have to fight your own damn war because we don't want to fight no more. And that mm. kind of like chant kind of finishes off uh, the song. And, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a, a really good kind of finish to the album. Um, I said this before on kind of the, the the final tracks for the earlier albums, particularly the album you know before this, where it feels like Prince, in terms of like um, you know final tracks, he really starts to kind of develop an instinct for knowing what a good kind of last track will be, um, and obviously you know the the kind of the the best example of that would be Purple Rain finishing oh. off Purple Rain, um, you know. Uh, because you know it's got to be lonely and I'm yours. They weren't really great kind of like album finishers, um, but you know with this and then with Jack You Off and International Lover, he's kind of gradually building to the point where he kind of knows how to structure an album really and how to finish an album properly. And this is kind of a really good way to finish, um, you know, what was basically his breakthrough. Uh, you know, this is establishing Prince as an artist. Um, you know, this is this is basically the prints that you will know for the rest of the 80s mm. kind of forming right here. And I think kind of finishing with like a party song at the end, it you know, is like a really good way to finish this album. Yeah, exactly right. It's just, it's, it's a great song. And you're right about the Purple Rain thing because like you mentioned it and I was getting like goosebumps. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. The end of that album is just amazing. Like that, that long song and just like, oh yeah, that guitar. And oh man, <laughs> it's just... It's pretty amazing. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. It's like, it's a party jam. The whole song, like you might have heard in the other podcast I was talking about, uh, you know, half the songs are either dirty songs, party jams, or heartbreak. And it's pretty much this and Uptown are pretty much the big, the big party songs in this album. Now, when Prince died, Saturday Night Live did like um, a tribute show to him featuring a lot of Fred Armisen, you know, doing his Prince show thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had like a lot of performances. And the first performance that they showed which is not available anywhere, basically. It's mm. not available on on any kind of like of the, the SNL stuff because it was produced during the season where Lorne Michaels wasn't there. Uh, and okay. so they don't generally like to have those episodes up. Mm. Um, but it's from the 21st of February, 1981. And Prince's first ever performance on SNL was him singing Party Up. Oh, um, okay. And he's got, you know, he's got his band with him. He's got, um, uh, I think it's Des Dickerson. Uh, I think... I think it's Bobby Z on the drums um, and Dr. Fink is there and um, you know the, the kind of classic um, controversy 1999 kind of uh, revolution um, just before they would kind of get Lisa and kind of Gail Chapman left and you know and um, you know it's quite interesting because um, like watching it you see this kind of almost fully formed artist who already knows what he's doing and despite the fact that he's like 23 and some kid on like national television and this is his first ever performance, you would never guess that from seeing it. Um, you know, so um, I don't know how you would see the Prince tribute SNL episode, but that's the only way to see that performance. Basically, um, you can't see it on the episode that went out for like season five of SNL or whatever that was, because basically they don't keep that in the archives because they they prefer to pretend that that season didn't exist yeah. um, when Lorne Michaels was fired. Because I assume he just took you know took control of the stage like he always did anyway. I assume that's what happened. No, it's a, it's a really good performance. I don't like I say I don't know how you would you would see it, but I when the Prince tribute episode went up last year. Um, you know, obviously it finished with um, Jimmy Fallon telling that story about how Prince turned up at like the, the SNL 40 party and just started playing and like 
nobody kind of like stopped him and a few people got out cell phones and actually recorded it and you know that's that's like an amazing performance but just seeing him like straight away playing this song and being so fully formed and knowing exactly where the cameras were and everything it's just such a great performance um and it's worth you know it's worth noting that um you know prince played this song obviously on the tour that supported dirty minor controversy and you know um, and if you've ever seen the the Love Sexy tour, there's a point where he's playing the song Head and then he he integrates the groove from Party Up kind of halfway through the song. Um, and, and that's like a really great kind of performance. But that was kind of the last time, like he played it for the first couple of years after he toured it and then he didn't really play it again until you got to kind of the last couple of years where in like 2013 and 15, he was like playing it on tour again. Um, so I always find it interesting when Prince goes back to his kind of like early songs, particularly as, you know, Party Up, uh, the lyrics aren't particularly kind of offensive or anything. You know, it's just no. basically a groove with the words Party Up, got to party up over and over again. Yeah. So I can kind of see how Prince, you know, once he found his religion or became more kind of overtly religious, could kind of return to this song without worrying about, uh, you know, offending anyone. Well, considering the album, there's not many songs he could sing now anyway, could he? <laughs> so it's pretty much what this... Probably this when you're mine and probably got a broken heart again. That's almost it. Up yeah. there maybe, but yeah, everything else is no <laughs> no way he's gonna play head. Gosh, like yeah, I yeah. remember like the last last tour I saw him play. There was one part I can't remember what it was. One part where he just played little snippets of songs, like like tiny little snippets, like even playing, you know, the dance electric, like playing that song, like like all of. 30 seconds of it and then playing like 30 <laughs> seconds of erotic city i'm just going oh my god they're gonna play it. it's like no way they're gonna play it. there's no chance in hell it's like, damn <laughs> i would have liked to have seen that get played live but oh well can't do much about that but yeah uh, a great kind of finish to the album i'd say five out of five uh, again i wasn't able to find any kind of like cover versions of this i did find some kind of like uh, i mean this is something that happened after prince died there were a lot of kind of like live where bands would just kind of like just do a Prince cover. And there were a couple of those, but, um, you know, I couldn't really find any kind of covers of it, uh, which I can kind of understand because it is a very kind of Prince song, um, even though, of course, he stole it from Morris Day. Um, but, you know, like he made Prince made it his own. And I think anyone covering it, you know, um, you would you just would you'd be missing the key element, which is Prince kind of enthusiastically telling everyone to party up. You know, that's that's what the song is, basically. Um, uh, would you agree five out of five yeah uh, yeah I'd say so yeah it's actually it's a great song I said right into the album I said it's a great right in I said it's a great that that last bit you know we don't want to fight you no more that going on it just sticks in your head even when you know even when the song finishes it kind of sticks in your head and then you just you know start again but yeah I'm actually kind of amazed they never did like a kind of weird 12 inch version of this thing kind of I could be very interested to see what it would have been like because like Uptown like the 12-inch version of that is just this massive, massive jam. And I can just imagine if, if they actually did, there was some, like, eight-minute version of Party Up somewhere floating around <laughs> space somewhere. Probably doesn't yeah. exist, but it would be kind of interesting to see what it would be like. And as, as we're finishing off with this album, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, like, um, this was obviously, you know, as I said with the kind of the intro, the very first episode that I recorded for this, you know, with the title track, Dirty Mind, um, you know, this was Prince's breakthrough. You know, if you look at all the critics... They all gave it top marks, you know, it gets 10 out of 10 on spin, you know, um, uh, Chicago Sun-Times, Entertainment Weekly, The Guardian, like every, if you look at any review of this album um, from 1980 or any time since people have kind of reassessed it, it always gets like top marks. 
Um, you know, and it is kind of the the emergence of Prince kind of putting more kind of funk into his music, kind of leaning more towards the guitars than the synths. Obviously, you know, in a couple of, you know, I think the year after this, he bought a Lynn drum machine and then he basically stayed wedded to that for uh, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, he kind of the sound that Prince, the people know Prince for being. I think um, Party Up is a good example of the Prince, you know, the kind of the, the Minnesota sound. Um, and, you know, Rolling Stone put it at number 204 on, on the 500 greatest albums of all time. Um, and it was number 18 on the 100 greatest albums of the 80s, which, you know, that that feels about right. I'm sure Prince has a couple of entries higher on that list. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. You know, coming from later in this decade. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, album, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, you know, I, it's just one of those, it's one of those albums that, if you if you kind of if you listen to the first two albums and I said this a lot on those those on those tracks, um, it kind of feels like Prince trying to copy people and trying to, you know, trying to do disco or trying to do something soul or you know just trying to be like other people. Whereas this is the first album where it feels like Prince is like, no, I'm Prince. Here I am in a trench coat with a you know a neckerchief. And uh, and and some <laughs> some briefs, and I'm standing in front of a you know a bet you know like the springs of a, a, a ripped off mattress, and uh, staring directly into the camera, and just ready to get down and dirty. And you know the from the from the cover you know to the opening track to the final track, it just feels like Prince knows exactly what he's doing on this album, and I think you know that's what makes it such a great album. Yeah, and the thing is too, he's more mature now, so he's kind of he's he's still. He's, even in this album, he's still kind of finding his feet, but he's kind of getting yeah. it, especially the the kind of sexual thing about it as well, because basically he went from like this little almost boy wonder kind of guy in the earlier albums, and all of a sudden he's this mostly fully formed guy in his underpants on the front of this cover, and people just going, "Sorry, wow, what the hell is that?" It's like, <laughs> and then you know he's he's you know he, you know he, play, he was playing gigs, he was probably playing you know playing support gigs in that outfit. People would have just freaked out. They wouldn't have known what the hell was going on. And then all of a sudden he pulls out these party jams, and people are just going, "Oh wow, that's amazing!" And they kind of go past the you know the guy that's in the trench coat to see, "Oh man, this guy knows how to play." Now she knows how to write songs. Yeah. And it's worth saying that you know the album wasn't a huge seller. Um, mm. You know, it peaked at number fifty-six on the on the the Billboard two hundred. Um, you know, it was only got over here. It only got to number sixty-one. Um, you know, its highest position was the Billboard Top Black Albums, which again, every mm. time I I see any of these specialist Billboard charts, it always <laughs> amuses me. Mm. Um, but that's what allowed Prince to have success in the early years. Was was he was bubbling under basically? He was he was just there. Yeah. being successful kind of in these these kind of narrow charts but he didn't really cross over until you get to like um, 1999 and then obviously yeah. purple rain yeah um, so he, he, this album's still kind of critically acclaimed but he hadn't got the he hadn't got the sales and it took it took about 4 years before this album actually managed to get gold which is not you know which is only half a million albums that's not yeah. like a a huge success and you know you have to feel that comes off the back of the fact that in 1984 purple rain sold you know like 7 million copies so obviously you know that filtered back, but yeah, he, you know he was he was critically acclaimed at this point. You know he'd been admired, I think, for the first two albums, but this is a point where the critics got on board, and then obviously you know it took a few more albums before the public kind of started buying what Prince was selling. Um, okay, well I feel like we've said enough about this song and enough about this album, so let's go to plugs. Uh, Victor, do you have anything you wish to plug? Ah uh, no, I don't. 
I don't know, I should maybe plug another podcast. Uh, what do I plug? I'll plug someone else's podcast. Listen to The Bugle. It's funny. Andy Zon's amazing. Uh, he's hilarious. He has different hosts on every week. And he's just funny. I'll plug that. <laughs> Great stuff. You can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track, or you can follow us on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Don't know why you would want to, but you could do if you wish to. Uh, thanks for joining me once again, Victor. No, thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>